Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, a quick little content advisory before we get into the show tonight. We are going to be talking about uh, gender, sexuality, uh, sexual expression, and possibly touching on some topics of, uh, of sexual violence. So just be aware of that as we get into the discussion tonight. Welcome to the Will and Dave Show with your hosts, Will and Dave, where we talk about just about anything. All right, so tonight's show is a little bit different. First, I want to thank you for joining me, as this is a, an interesting episode of The Will and Dave Show, as there is no Dave. Dave's on vacation right now, although he is behind the scenes running the show from a sort of producerly role. So you're going to have to put up with a lot of my face tonight. So I apologize in advance for that. Uh, so tonight, we're going to be talking about <clears throat> uh, gender vocabulary. So the words we use to talk about you know, gender, gender expression, sex, and sexuality, and whatnot. And I realize coming from me, who's the progressive half of the Will and Dave show, that this may come off as somewhat uh, hoity-toity and high and mighty. And I want to be very clear that that's not my intent with uh, with the topic tonight. I don't want this to seem like I'm educating all you filthy plebeians down below on you know how to talk about things smart like me. That That's not the idea here. The purpose of this is to uh, allow for more specific discussion when we're talking about uh, gender and sexuality, whether it's in a political sense or personal lives, I want I want everyone to just be able to talk more descriptively and more specifically uh, on the topic. And I see a lot of people, both on the on 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 more progressive uh, uh, pages and whatnot, and people using and misusing this language as well. It's not only me, you know, taking shots at at conservatives or anything like that, or people on the right. I'm also taking some shots at folks on my own side because they also use a lot of hyperbole with these things. And that's what I want to avoid with this. So to get started, we're going to start really, really simple. And we're actually going to, or actually, actually, before I get into that, I want, I want to preface this all. None of, none of this stuff that I'm going to talk about, none of the references that I'm going to use are going to be super in-depth or, or, or hyper-detailed. I'm not a scientist. I don't understand a lot of the more science-y terms. So we're going to stick to things like Wikipedia, which you, you can verify yourself. Uh, I'm also going to stick to things like the dictionary, which are kind of universal. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not really high-end sources, and they're relatively easy to read. So we're going to start by talking about the, the literal definitions of sex and gender. So I'll get my handy-dandy producer to throw up our slide with the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary definition of a sex. So... We're going to start with the, the first half, sex, generally speaking, as a noun. Either of the two major forms of individuals that occur in many species and that are distinguished respectively as female or male, especially on the basis of the reproductive organs and structures. Uh, if you feel the need, you can read the rest of it. That gets into a little bit more detail. We're not going to get into sex as a verb because we don't need to. <laughs> so... We're also going to, I'm going to throw up the, the definition of gender as well, and I'm going to use those two to kind of compare and contrast. So if we can get the definition of, of gender up as well, please there, Dave. Perfect. Thank you. So gender is a subclass within a grammatical class, such as noun, pronoun, adjective, or verb of a language that is partially arbitrary, but also partially based on distinguishable characteristics such as shape, social rank, manner of existence, or sex. And that de determines agreement with and selection of other words of grammatical forms. That was really worded or wordy. I don't, I don't want to go into that. In essence, in essence, I'm going to, I'm going to try and break this down. A sex is the physical characteristics 
whether that be your genitalia, whether that be your bodily proportions, your primary or secondary sexual characteristics, and, and the hormones that have made you that way. That is a person's sex. A person's gender is more of a, uh, a mannerism or appearance or a social um, um, label, if that makes sense. So the, the phrase that likes to get thrown around a lot is gender is a social construct, which at this point is kind of a, a, like a buzz phrase or a buzzword, which I don't really like, but it it's rooted in a sort of truth in the sense that yes, gender is more of a, a social measurement rather than an actual scientific measurement. Your sex is, is how science and doctors quantify your, you know, your chromosomes and what they've done to your body. Whereas a person's gender is more about expression or, or a social category. That makes sense. So when we see posts online, I'm going to take a shot here at, at more conservative uh, pages that I read online and memes and whatnot, uh, where they say, you know, there are only two genders. That's just not true as because gender is sort of a, a social distinction. It's kind of infinite in, in its different expressions there that you can label it as many times as you want, but in its in infinite intricacies, there's all manner of gender. A gender could be whatever a person wants it to be. Now, whether or not society as a whole accepts that and, you know, adheres to it, that's a whole nother ball of wax, but a person can express that however they feel the need to. Now, a person's sex is a little bit more rigid in a sense, because you know, that's the way your body is which would lead into a whole conversation on uh, uh, on trans people and uh, uh, um, gender dysphoria, etc., which I don't think we're going to get very deep into tonight because that's a, that's a very deep rabbit hole that I'm not necessarily very qualified to talk about. But what I do want to touch on is, we have another slide here, is sex and gender distinction. So what what do doctors and scientists look at when they're trying to determine a person's sex? So to read straight from the Wikipedia article here until we get our slide up, uh, the distinction between sex and gender differentiates a person's sex, the anatomy of the individual's reproductive sex system and secondary sex characteristics from that person's gender, which can refer to either social roles based on the sex of the person or personal identification of one's own gender based on an internal awareness, which would be your gender identity. In some circumstances, an individual's assigned sex and gender do not align, and the person may be transgender. In other cases, an individual may have biological sex characteristics that complicate sex assignment, and the person may be what is termed intersex. So I'm going to stop reading out loud there. But this is just leading into the concept that even when it comes to sex, when, when, we, when, I, when I break down the phrase, you know, there are only two genders, we could adjust... The, I implied that you could adjust it to there's only two sexes, but even that in itself is not entirely true. Now, intersex people are not exceedingly common, depending on uh, where you get your numbers and what uh, what the researchers deem intersex and not intersex. You get anywhere from a fraction of a percent to about one and a half percent, or sorry, 0.15% of people are intersex. So it's not like a huge number of people in the grand scheme of things, but it is common enough that it's not uh, unheard of. It's not uh, it's not like a needle in a haystack type uncommon. 
And these these characteristics of intersex people are vast and wide ranging, and I could never possibly cover them all in, in the scope of just this little bitty podcast and my little bitty uh, talk here tonight. You know, ranging anywhere from having no or both genitalia, various uh, intricacies and mutations within the chromosomes of the people, various hormonal uh, uh, changes within the womb that can be hard to detect. I mean, usually doctors can detect the sex of a person inside the womb. I believe it's anytime past seven weeks, I think. But even then, there can be changes post seven weeks that could affect a person's uh, sex, and they could be intersex. And any any of the, the myriad of, of different uh, intersex, I don't want to say conditions, because it's kind of a negative connotation, but mutations. That's uh, um, what I'm looking for. Like divergent uh, uh, hormonal or, or chromosomal differences. So all of this is, is a very long-winded way of saying that when we talk about sex and, and gender and and we debate these things in a political or a social forum, when we throw around phrases like only two genders or only two sexes or, or things like that, it's, it drastically minimizes a very, very, very complex biological landscape. Bo well, biological and social when you talk about gender, that's more of a social thing. And it's, it, it's very reductionist. It, it tries to boil it down into just like these little bite-sized nuggets that we can share on social media. And while it's nice to be able to boil it down and make it digestible for people, a lot of the depth and a lot of the uh, a lot of the humanity of it is lost in doing that. I mean, the the the, the parallel that I look at is if you if you look at a person who's transgender and you equate their 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 situation to just confusion or just uh, any any if you if you can just look at them and be like oh they're wrong or they're just confused or or any any number of different things that you could just point at and you just try to just slap a label on it and be done with it if i were to apply that same logic to say a follower of any religion we're going to use christianity as an example but i think this applies to most religions and say oh you just believe in a you know believe in the sky god you you just believe in the man in the sky with cake that you're going to get to eventually when you die. And that's, that's as simple as it is. And that's very much a reduction of what Christianity is. Christianity is a relationship, a very personal relationship with, with in, in Christianity's case, with your you know Lord and Savior. And so to reduce Christ, a Christian's relationship by just throwing a label at it and using that, ju like just those little sound bites, those, those little nibble, like those little nuggets, to try and describe them when you're trying to discuss uh, social or, or political topics, whether it's on social media or whether it's in person, I think it just does a gross injustice to to those things. And that's kind of the point of this whole talk and this episode is just really, really basic layman's understanding of some of the terminology uh, in regards to sex and gender so that we can have more detailed conversations about these things. I'm not trying to posit one idea as right or one idea as wrong or anything like that. I'm just trying to make it so that we can have more, more uh, specific conversations. And we don't have to, we don't have to reduce people down to just nuggets and just a phrase or, or a meme or a single Facebook status or anything like that, that we can, we can flesh it out a lot more than that. So, 
that's really the, the 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 meat and potatoes of this talk. It's not a lot. It's really, it's a pretty short nugget, and I mean, I can only talk on the topic for so long without you know beating it to death with a stick because I'm not a scientist. I'm not somebody who specializes in gender studies or or people or various sexual orientations or not orientations um uh, divergencies. I don't know if that's a word or not. Anywho. I'm not an expert, and so I don't want to. I don't want to step out of my lane, and 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 talk on this podcast as if I'm some sort of expert. It's this is more of like it's meant as like a, a jumping off point, if that makes sense. A, a, a way for you to just just get a little tiny glimpse through the little window of the Will and Dave show to see just how far-reaching and complex of a topic it is, and understand that talking about it in simplistic terms is just is doing a very large topic a very great injustice. I think. So I was hoping we'd have some questions and some interaction, but it's, you know, we're a new podcast. We don't have a lot of that yet. So you're gonna have to bear with me a little bit as I pick at little threads of this whole topic and talk about them myself, because if we get some questions and we get some uh, interaction from viewers, that'd be great, because then I can talk on that and we can have a little bit of back and forth as I, as I needed to leave time for that. Um, but I'm uh, until then, or or if yeah, that never happens, I'm going to be talking just about some little bits and bobs within that within this whole topic. So the first little thing that I want to touch on is when we're talking sexual differentiation in humans. So when it comes to differentiating the different sexes, just to give like a, a little glimpse of the the, the broad variety of of different uh, uh, differentiations. Where was it here? Again, this is all on Wikipedia. This is not this is not hard to find stuff. Five minutes on Google will get you the same information that I have right now. It's it's not difficult. Because yeah, people have been born. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the way kind of chrom basic chromosomes work when we're born is you know an XX chromosome ends up generally as female, and an XY chromosome ends up generally as male. But just a few few varieties of of intersex i'm just trying to find a listing here do 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 so you have these are just a couple of variations associated with atypical determination and di the differentiation process for for uh, male and female orientation not orientation sorry differentiation so a person can be born with only an x chromosome which results in something called Turner syndrome. Turner syndrome, you may have actually met somebody with Turner syndrome, is it's one of the somewhat more common uh, varieties of, of intersex people. Uh, it leads to female characteristics, but the body doesn't develop in the same way that it would normally when a body has appropriate uh, 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 amounts of estrogen and whatnot, because it affects you know your heart, it affects your thyroid and hormone production and things like this. And so you end up, it, it, it's intersex. It's, it's, a, it's a blending. It, it no longer is easy to distinguish between male or female characteristics. And it's difficult to put someone who may be intersex like that with Turner syndrome. How do you put them in a box in terms of gender? How do you, how do you set them within a male or female box? Is it are we going to base their gender role specifically on their genitalia? 
mean, outside people, we have, we should have no clue what their genitalia is. You think of it like a, like, like a, a Schrodinger, Schrodinger, Schrodinger's genitalia. It, it, until you know what, until you open the box, it's both. So until you actually know the person personally and have any reason to know what's going on, they could be anything. They, they shouldn't be lumped together in one gender or another, I would think. This is just personal opinion now. Because they're somewhere in the middle and they should have the ability to choose which they want to be. Now this gets into, this is, this is getting more into the transgender uh, topic. So I don't want to go too, too deep into it, but it's just, just a small example of why, of how, uh, those hormonal and chromosomal differences blur the lines between those just two sexes. That makes sense. Um, do what else can I get on about? This is one of the downsides to, to talking fast because I tend to talk very quickly. I had this all planned out. And I kind of tried to map out how long it was going to take to talk about this subject. It goes by a lot faster because when I'm talking about it live, I end up talking a lot more quickly and I burn through my content very, very fast. But oh, actually, you know what I, I did? I did want to touch on one other thing. I don't, again, I don't want to get too deep into, into the, the topic of, of, of transgender folks and, you know, their political rights and whatnot. But one thing that that I wanted to to touch on with this whole topic of of gender and sex is the association with certain mental and emotional characteristics to people who are intersex. A lot of this we can blame on on pop culture. I mean, if you think back, some of the best, well, I say best, some of the most memorable horror movie villains, you know, you look at Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho or uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. They, throughout pop culture, they've been a very easy target because they've always been on the kind of the fringes of society a little bit. And so I think pop culture has kind of influenced our opinion of, of, of trans or intersex people and led us to believe that they're somehow damaged mentally just by proxy. And I, that, I don't think that's a very healthy way to look at it. And I was trying to find a way when I, when I was researching this, this, this week, and I was trying to find a way to equate and talk about how, how we view uh, intersex or trans people and whether or not they're dangerous because we see them in these horror movies or these thriller movies, depending on how you want to classify that. And no matter how, how, actively you're avoiding the connotation if it happens regularly enough in your in your media that you consume in your movies and your tv shows it, it's, it's going to start to stick a little bit it's just kind of to a certain degree i think it's inevitable especially when it comes to something as as niche as that and it made me think about when this is quite a few years back that this is a big talking point on on social media when we were talking about bathrooms and labels for bathrooms for men and women and whether or not uh, trans people should be allowed to use the bathroom of their choice or, or whether they should be regulated to the bathroom of their assigned sex or their, their, their sex from birth, etc. And we talked a lot and people brought up the, the 
the idea of allowing trans women who are who may have been born male to use the women's bathroom and that being you know a risk to young girls and the the parallel that i drew in, in my head now i'm sure dave wishes he could be here to push back on this but seeing as he's not i get free reign so sucks to be him but the parallel that i drew here is when you look at you know pick a mass shooter in america ad nauseum or, or anywhere in the world really they are a awful person that did an awful thing and they just happen to do it with a firearm now firearms rights activists or, or firearm control activists will blame the firearm a lot which i think is silly but the 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 the, the basis that it boils down to an awful person did an awful thing and they did it with this tool this implement if a person goes into a women's bathroom and were to cause harm to a young girl let's say that person is trans so if a trans person does harm to a little girl in a woman's bathroom i think we need to hold the distinction between them being trans and them being a, a, a predator or or a aggressor whatever word you want to slap onto it whether that person was trans or not they were the awful person the the being trans i don't think is the defining characteristic of them being a bad person in the same way that i think that you know uh, someone who wants to to incite fear someone who wants to perpetrate a mass killing a gun was just the implement that they happened to have some of them use different implements some of them use explosives um they would they would do it one way or another whether it was with a gun or or whether it was with an explosive and a predator would predate whether they're trans or not and i think we need to stop blaming in the same sense that we need to not blame all gun owners for the the terrible actions of a few we need to not hold a trans community to task for you know I haven't even seen very many articles of that happening since bathroom signs started changing kind of across the, 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 the known world. If, if there are any incidents of that, I highly doubt that the person or the, the perpetrator being trans was the driving factor behind why they did it. They just are a bad person who happens to be trans. If that makes sense. And, and this is this is one of those instances where having this conversation about using more appropriate language to talk about these subjects and and to to flesh them out properly can allow us to have a more detailed conversation about topics like that. I mean, I'm nervous on camera alone, so I'm probably butchering some of the terminology myself. But the idea is still there that by having a, a more robust vocabulary to choose from when discussing these topics, we can kind of go in with a with a with a uh, more of a scalpel as opposed to a, a blunt object when discussing these things, metaphorically speaking. Um, that's kind of what, what, what I want. I'm not the best at saying it, but <laughs> that's what I'm gunning for here. Part of the impetus of this is, is as, a, as, a, as, a, as a core example of, a, of what I view as a larger issue, because I'm going I'm to expand this, and again, I'm going to point back at social media, it's something that we see a lot right now with with the current health crisis, we'll call it. 
with the current health crisis is a lot of hyperbole. Uh, I'm actually going to pull up the definition for hyperbole here. Hyperbole, just to make sure I'm using this right. Hyperbole is a noun, exaggerated statement or claim not meant to be taken literally. And I see this a lot from both the left and the right. I see it a lot from the left when they refer to people as Nazis or neo-Nazis or in many cases, even white supremacist. Like the term white supremacist, Nazi, neo-Nazi, that is a very hefty term that, that, that carries a lot of connotation and a lot of weight and is a very not cool group of people, obviously. And to swing and to fling those those terms around willy nilly is a just irresponsible, but b it it really does minimize the power of those terms. Like we hear Nazi thrown around so often nowadays that it's starting to lose some of its power. Like we we I, I feel like I I know I start started to forget just how atrocious the things that the Nazis did were because we, we throw it around. It, it, it's a political football. And the same applies on the, on the other side. When you have people talking about uh, current lockdown procedures in specifically in Canada, and they refer to the Canadian government as a dictatorship or, or, or call it communism in the making and all these things. And it's totally all right. Totally all right to criticize the things that the government's doing. There's lots to criticize, tons, plenty. Even even from me, who 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 is very progressive, there's tons to criticize about what they've done and are doing. But to call it communism is doing a gross disservice to actual, like, or it's it, it, it's 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? It it really minimalizes the effects of actual communist regimes that have done actual atrocities. Right now, we're dealing with a lot of friction. Yes and a lot of instability, yes, and potentially a lot of government overreach, yes, but none of that is in and of itself communism, and, and to call it that is hyperbole. It's it's an overreach. And again, I feel like we could all do with using you, what we have, we all have, like, almost everyone in the current first world, in, in, in the Western Hemisphere here, especially in Canada and the United States. Not everyone, I don't want to discount people who can't actually afford these things, but pretty much everyone has access to the internet, whether it's at a library or in your smartphone or a personal computer, laptop, or through school, you name it. We have access to the internet, which has, gives us access to a almost infinite uh, like wealth of knowledge. And we could be talking about these subjects in a much, much more constructive way in a much more detailed way but it's so much easier it's so much easier to just oh wait wait wait, we got a question ha finally save me uh chromosomally is set a consumption or conception but physically is set seven okay so a question from northern idaho the sex chromosomally if that's a word is set at conception but physically is set seven to twelve weeks into gestation can we call the sex when the fetus is conceived? I'm not 100% sure. I don't, as, as far as I know, the chromosomes may be set 
at conception, but I don't know if we can necessarily track it yet, or at least track it with any degree of accuracy. That's my rough understanding. But the trick is that I, th I, I don't know if it's a matter of not being able to track it or if it's a matter of not being able to confirm it. Because like when we talk about the seven to 12 week gestation is usually when we can tell uh, a, a, a fetus's sex. That's still technically subject to change. That can still change before birth. That's just when most medical professionals feel comfortable making the call because the chances of any significant changes from there are much lower. If that makes sense. So I don't know if it's a matter, I, I don't honestly know if it's a matter of them not being able to tell at, at conception or if it's a matter of they don't want to make the call because it's still such a, it's still so ripe for change. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's my best guess. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. But, um, yeah, back to hyperbole. Uh, yeah, I just... <laughs> I, I just think that we could do a lot more. And this this goes back to something that we've harped on with the Will and Dave show a couple of times over the, the course of the first few months of our show here, which is the idea of taking a little bit of time and just doing a basic Google search before sharing a, a meme or, or not necessarily a meme. Memes are funny, but you know, sharing a, a, a politically charged or socially charged Facebook post or tweet or Instagram post or any social media thing. If we could all just do a little bit more, just just a little bit, I'm not saying that we all need to become researchers and we all need to have every Facebook post peer reviewed, but I think we could all do with spending just a few moments if, if we're willing in, in the same sense that like in the same sense that you normally wouldn't talk about some of the things or how to word this. I think we're a lot more careful with what we say in person than what with what we say online. Because online there's like a degree of separation maybe between us and what we're saying and the people that are hearing it. Even though it's not, you know, uh, anonymity. It's I just think there's that that degree of separation makes us feel a lot more free to just kind of hail mary stuff out into the void. If we took the care in our online interactions, that we do with our personal interactions, spending just a few moments to, to consider an idea before we throw it out there. I feel like we could all have a lot more constructive conversations, myself included. Like, while I don't post a lot of wild things on Facebook into the void, Dave hears about them all the time. <laughs> There's rarely a day that goes by that Dave doesn't get a message from me with some article being like, what in the bleepity bleep is this bleep and bleep bleep? And I'll, I, that's how I do. I don't hold back before I talk to Dave. And I probably should, because usually what happens when I do that is Dave says, okay, calm down. Let's look at this. And that goes the other way around. Sometimes I'll get an article from Dave and he's like, wow, this is ridiculous. And then I'll go spend five minutes on Google and be like, oh, hey, this, 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 and this, and this. It's not actually that bad, or maybe it is that bad, or maybe it was misreported, whatever. The, the number of times that we have to consistently walk back the things that we're getting really bent out of shape over is, well, well over half. I'd say more than half the time that we we fling an article at each other or, or, or vent about something political or social 
we end up having to walk it back within just a few minutes of of voicing that opinion with the other person. The one the topics we bring to the show are the ones that we don't usually walk back right away or that we don't want to walk back. <laughs> so I don't know how I feel like there should be a terminology for this, whether it's, you know, social media awareness advocacy or something. But the idea of of being a little bit more diligent with what we post online. And in this particular episode's case, it's in reference to people's sexuality, gender, intersex, uh, trans uh, uh, community members and how we talk about them. But the, the same the same rule of thumb and the same logic applies kind of across the board, both in personal conversations and, and, and in online conversations where we just need a little bit more due diligence, a little bit more caution. Which is, isn't implying that the people who take the time are doubting themselves or that they're inherently, you know, it doesn't imply anything, really. All it is is just, it's it's the person posting it, it's them insulating themselves from ridicule, for starters. But it's also, I think it helps with the overall conversation around these topics, whether it's gender, whether it's politics, whether it's other social issues, whether it's, you know, firearms, ownership rights, etc. I think that all of these different conversations could do with a little bit more care or tact, maybe. I don't know. I like swearing too much for tact to be a thing that I really advocate for. But, you know, the idea is there all the same. Um, we didn't really have a lot of questions tonight, so I don't have a ton of other stuff to talk about. So we may wrap up this Will and Dave show a little bit on the early side tonight. Uh, that being said, I want to thank everyone who did view all one of you. I see you. Thank you, uh, for viewing as we did this live. And I hope that we can edit the podcast to be a little more, uh, smooth, a little less disjointed. Either way, thank you for coming along this ride with me. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you again next week. I'll make sure Dave's here so you can have someone else to listen to and a prettier face to look at. So everyone stay safe. Don't die.